as women, we're so afraid sometimes, or so kind of embarrassed to ask for help, or to say, like, I, I don't know. And it's okay, we are not raised that way. And so find someone you can talk to. We don't have that core knowledge and belief that we are awesome, universal spirits that can accomplish anything and deserve everything, that we may not ask for what we deserve. Hello, everyone. And welcome to another episode of I Am Christina D'Arcangelo. I'm so excited to be here today um, <laughs> for a lot of reasons. But first off, because Michelle is joining me today, everyone, please meet Michelle Pack. She and I met through LinkedIn um, because Michelle is writing a book and I was interviewed to be in her book. And I just enjoyed the conversation so much and the synergy that we have that I invited her onto my show today. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us. How are you? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. What, I enjoyed our conversation so much as well and would like to continue it. It's so awesome. Why don't you tell everybody about yourself, you know, your whole background, what you're doing today, just so everybody's caught up with where I know we are, but they're not there yet. <laughs> sure, sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I've actually had a really pretty interesting, people will tell me, and diverse background. Um, you know, I graduated um, with a degree in hotel and restaurant management, of all things. I've lived and I'm from San Francisco. I lived in Maui. Uh, went to school in Vegas. Um, I've been a realtor. I had a pet care business for a while, completely entrepreneurial, right? I mean, until I got um, hired with a company called Solar City, which then became Tesla. And then I had my experience in the corporate world for several years and worked my way up into, um, you know, up to higher management within the organization and really got a taste of being a woman in the corporate environment. And after getting a taste of that for several years, decided that um, I was definitely more of an entrepreneur <laughs> and I could do more, <laughs> more good um, through what I currently do, which is um, my you know, title is financial services professional. But basically what I do is I empower professional women through financial literacy because we just don't necessarily have that um, that at our at our disposal at our disposal as we're going through corporate America, you know, and I'll never forget the time that I was upper management at Tesla and a woman on my team comes to me and says, Hey, Michelle, I need to um, figure out this 401k thing, you know, can you help me? And I was like, um, Nope. <laughs> I don't understand it yet. <laughs> and so that kind of propelled me later in life to get my own knowledge and and as doing so now I can help other women. So that's you pretty much caught up with me. <laughs> that, that's awesome. I love how, you know, my guests who listen to the podcast or view the podcast know that I always try to have people on that there's things that we are the same about, right? So the fact that you took that you were you were deficient at one point um, in your career to be able to do that self-sufficiently and you admitted it and you moved ahead to solve that issue and then ended up doing this as a service to help so many other women, which is so important because it's something that they don't pay attention to, honestly, and I'm not being disrespectful to our gender. Um, I know I, I'm talking from personal opinion um, and experience. You know, I know what happened 
in my lifetime where I wasn't always paying attention to some of my financial things. And then um, <laughs> I, I hit, I was in jeopardy at one point back in 19 when I asked my ex-husband to leave. And so um, that was, you know, and I knew before then there was a problem, you know, cause I started watching and I was like, Oh my God. But then I was just so down in it that I couldn't get out of it. So Michelle, with that, what kind of advice would you give to a pre-CD in 19, another woman um, that's kind of going through something like that? What, what kind of, you know, just off the top of your head, nothing, you know, that's selling your, your secrets or anything, but just something I think that would be awesome to share. Yeah, absolutely. So honestly, it's just educate, get education, ask for help and get education. And I think that as women, you know, there's two sides to what you were talking about. You, we trust that our partners are, are doing the right thing. And we maybe will leave that to them. Not all women. Again, this is just being generalized. This right. Some of what I experienced in Northeastern Pennsylvania and in California, which is where I do most of my work. Um, and then as women, we're so afraid sometimes or so you know, embarrassed to ask for help or to say, like, I, I don't know. And it's okay. We are not raised that way. And so find someone you can talk to. It could be, it could be a parent. It could be an advisor. It could be a friend. Find someone else who has that knowledge and don't be afraid to ask for that help. And, and every situation is different and know that you're not alone. Um, know that it's okay to ask and that they're, they're, it, you don't have to understand everything. You just have to know what you want and then find someone that you trust to talk to. Yeah, and I think too, um, don't be embarrassed. It's embarrassing, you know, because here you're this powerhouse of a woman doing whatever it is you're doing, you know, whether you're a mom raising seven kids, four kids, three, whatever, or you're an entrepreneur like us, or you, um, you know, work in a restaurant or you curate at a museum. There's a whole wide range of women here, folks. And we all are the same in a sense that we all go through these struggles and we shouldn't be embarrassed by it. It's not about education here, folks. It's not. Yes, you have to become educated on this topic for sure, right? But it's not about where you graduated that leads you down this path. Um, there is no lead here. You have to take the lead personally, I believe in my opinion. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, that that embarrassment, I think, holds us back from doing so many things, right? And that's one of the reasons that in this book that I'm writing is is really about the self-made woman um, and their attitudes towards towards building wealth because um, there are themes that exist, and some of those themes are along the lines of, you know, I didn't, I, I made this money and maybe I lost it because I didn't know, I was afraid to ask, I didn't know what to do with it, I, I, I was embarrassed to, like you said, to be at this position and not have that knowledge. Well, the truth of the matter is we are not taught that. And as women, we are not taught to talk about it. Right? Mm -hmm. Ooh, she's talking about money. Ooh, you know, um, don't be like, don't, don't let that stop you. Don't let that stop you from talking to someone that you trust that you, you know, that you feel can help. You're right. I, I couldn't have said it any better. Yeah. That's a fair point um, to say about the stigma aspect of it. You know, um, us talking about women, I know, you know, I, I luckily don't have to do this anymore, <laughs> but I used to, um, you know, as a small company, you know, CEO, you know, when I was 
trying to collect money. People owed me money, you know, for work I did properly against a contract, you know, I'm solid when it comes to my negotiations. I've been negotiating for 20 some years now, you know, legal language and stuff. So that's not an impediment for me. But what was an impediment for me, Michelle, was when I had to raise my hand and say, hey, hey, man, you know that invoice I sent you six months ago? Well, yeah, I kind of need that $49,000. Like, and that, that was some of what was happening to me in 19 that I mentioned very briefly was that I had a lot of people that owed me a lot of money. And I was trying to collect this money back. And it was, you know, I had to sue people. I mean, it was craziness, but I felt, I felt uncomfortable. And that was my money that I rightfully earned. Michelle, let's talk about that for a minute because I mean, come on. Let's talk about that. I mean, well, you just opened up a whole new psychological can of worms there. I mean, what does that go back to, you know, self-worth? You know, yes. how, we, how we value ourselves, um, you know, gosh, as women, we're torn in so many directions, our value, right? You know, not just, um, you know, it can be through family, through, you know, how much money we make. There's so many different things. But if we don't have that core, that core knowledge and belief that we are awesome, universal spirits that can accomplish anything and deserve everything, that we may not ask for what we deserve. And that's right. Like you said, that's you right. do amazing work. You're, you're, you're oh, incredibly you. talented. You're, you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're very good at what you do. And for you to feel uncomfortable asking to be paid for that, to, to feel less than, to not have your worth, to, to not know your worth. And I see that every day, every day. I mean, if we even talk about that, you know, the, the salary gender gap, right? Oh, yeah. Women are still only making 82 cents on the dollar to every, you know, dollar that man makes I, I, somewhere around there. I'm not quoting facts, but somewhere around there, you know, that it's, but it's still less. And why, why are we not asking for more? Why do we not know our own worth? Why, you know, what is that about? Right. There's, there's that whole, um, you know, it's kind of like what we were taught as children, you know, when we go back and where our role was and what we were told and how we were told to do things some of that wasn't always necessarily taught to us as little girls, right? Um, I don't know how your family environment was, but my dad was the breadwinner. So I was used to a male figure being the breadwinner. In my household, that was not the case. First off, prior to getting married, I was soul. That was it. It was just CD, right? And a dog. That was it. <laughs> and, uh, so... I was doing my thing, right? You know, no issues. I didn't have to worry about, you know, talking to people about money, my money that I made. And then when I got married, I still was the sole breadwinner of the family because he wasn't um, at the same level, which was okay. That wasn't the fall down that for the marriage. That was people could still do that. You know, I'm not saying don't do it. But what I'm saying is I also then felt in- uncomfortable with my own money. Everything was separate. It was my own money. And like, if I had money to go buy a pair of boots I wanted, I felt guilty because he couldn't go buy the Tim's he wanted to buy because he didn't make that kind of money. And then I felt like I needed to buy it because he wanted them. So it was like a a, a vicious circle for me. And here I am, CEO of all these companies, all this is going on, raising our son, 
little little guy and this is all going on it's all going on it all goes on and like the stuff that goes on in our heads is is amazing that's why i'm so impressed with women we're we're extraordinary just just getting up every day and doing our life is extraordinary yes ordinary but we are extraordinary we really are (laughs) absolutely we have children I mean, that alone, you know, that's a huge (laughs) undertaking to have to carry a child and, and, and then birth a child and however manner you do it, you know, again, uh, whatever floats your boat, however it happens, it's big, it's a huge thing to do. And a lot of times we're the ones that take care of everybody, you know, at the helm, at the top. And, you know, that's how I am as a CEO and I struggle. I don't know about you, but I struggle because I am very much a heart-centered person, heart-centered all the way through, like, you know, because I work to help patients, you know, my whole thing. So, you know, I, I am heart-centered. And what I struggle with is <sighs> trying to protect my heart sometimes because people take advantage of your kindness for weakness. Um, and then also doing business as a heart-centered uh, CEO, because you have to be tough at times. So there's a balance. So it's, what do you think about that? I think actually that's one of the, I think that can be seen as both a challenge and a benefit to being a woman in business, right? Because yeah, sometimes people will underestimate us and see our kindness as a weakness. And when then, when they find out that it's not, that's rude awakening for them and can't be at least. And I think that we can touch people in different ways than men can because if we're we're heart-centered. I think that we can mentor people, understand them, show compassion, whereas maybe our male counterparts may not do that. They might, again, I'm generalizing. I think it can be a strength um, and and, and a challenge at at the same time, Uh, but I think it does, the strength of it outweighs it more than anything else because you really are able to affect people in a different way. You're able to touch people in a meaningful way mm-hmm. and they're going to understand and they're going to admire and respect and understand you because you actually took the time to stop and say, who are you as a person? I care about you. Now, how do we align our goals so that we have our mission moves forward as a team in business, whatever that may be. Um, so I, I see it as personally, I see it as, a, as more of a strength than a, than a weakness. Thank you. And you know, it's funny because I just, this really, I didn't do this on, po- uh, on purpose, y'all. I had no intentions on doing this, but this is where our conversation took us. And I just um, published a magazine it's, uh, article at CEO World Magazine. Um, it came out last Friday. And I talk about being a leader using empathy and enveloping their team for all of their worth, listening to their ideas. All these things are what I talked about in my article because I see this lacking a lot of times in leadership. They say one thing, but they do another. Their actions speak louder than their voice does. And I was trying to do a call to action for that because I know you and I are aligned on this. We see it all the time in business where we're like, what, what's going on here? Why, you know, we're in a really compromised situation still because we're stuck in a pandemic. Number one, number two, mental health stats are at its high. Okay. They're horrible. They're very high right now. I, I know you and I have talked about this when I was being interviewed for your book 
that's a detriment to us. Everything costs more nowadays, right? To do business, to, to buy cost of goods, just groceries. A pint of blueberries here in Chester Springs is $5 at Whole Foods. A pint of blueberries. When, when we were kids, they were a buck. Like, I don't understand what's going on. We have all this going on and then we're expected to still perform. Most of us work at home because we know we can. So now you're working around the clock and we're not taking care of ourselves and we're not taking care of our teams. We have to do better. We're going to burn out. We do. And we have to put our own oxygen mask on first. We really that's right. And yeah, I think that's such a huge lesson for people to, to remember, especially as women. We just we want to take care of everyone. Right. And you can't do anything unless you're taking care of yourself. Really put, put that oxygen mask on first. Take some time for yourself. The self-love is, is, is huge. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, it's so important because if you don't take care of yourself, your temple, whatever you call your body, <laughs> by whatever means every day, honestly, you've got to do this every day. You can't half-ass this and do it, oh, two days a week or whatever. Every day, you have to make a commitment. If you can't commit to yourself, then who the hell are you going to be able to commit to at all? Yeah. yeah. My two non-negotiables every morning are getting up, going to work out, whether that be whether I'm just walking um, or whether it be, you know, going to CrossFit class, doesn't matter. I'm moving my meat suit. And, um, you know, and two is um, taking some time to uh, use my mind and meditate and think about who I am, who I, who I want to see myself as and how I want to present myself to the world today and how I want to serve, how I can increase my service and serve others better. Cause that's oh. where I get my joy. I swear to God, you, I swear to God, I apologize for exclaiming, but service, when you said service, boom, that was a trigger, right? So that's another thing that I'm going to want to write. I'm going to be writing another article this month about doing service from a leadership position. Like we are here to serve others. So I swear you just played right into, because I wrote, I wrote um, my head of PR yesterday and I, I said, listen, I think I need to write an article about service because, you know, I serve people all the time through my nonprofit, but I'm a Baha'i. That's my, you know, my faith. And we believe in service just like most religions do. And, you know, service is integral. And, and, and my son, you know, I teach him, he has to do service. He's been doing service since he was a little guy with my nonprofit, because I want him to understand we always give back. We give back after we take care of ourselves first, we give back. Yes. Yeah. Service-based leadership. Service, and that's just that's how I've always viewed leadership is service-based, service right? I am here to, once I take care of myself, then I can better serve those who I work with and work for and, and, and things like that. Yeah. My team That's, is who I work for. Right? That is so awesome. I, I, <laughs> wow, this is so great. This is why I love like when I bring people on and it just goes like in a, you know, like an authentic kind of zone here. Well, how great we got to talk about so many awesome things today so far. Um, But you know what that means. We're getting close to the end. And I would love if you wouldn't mind, Michelle, just kind of listing the top three positives, because we talked a lot about the positives being a woman in leadership positions and what you do. Um, But also the negatives, too. We talked about that, too. But I just want to make sure it's easy for our our listeners and um, viewers to get it at the end, if you don't mind. Would you mind? 
Not at all. And I'll kind of bullet point these. And I, I'd like to start with the negative just because I like to end on a positive note because <laughs> um, I think there's positive in everything. But, um, you know, first of all, you know, I mentioned it earlier, we are still dealing with that um, gender salary gap. And that's a real thing that that is still in corporate America that I still see with my clients every day that it's really still we need to address um, as, a, as, a, as a society. Um, along those lines, the boys club still exists. And I'll never forget, I was up for this promotion several times and kept getting passed by by people who are not as qualified that happened to be male. And I finally got the promotion and the uh, director looked at me and said, listen, I had to give you this because you gave me no choice. Like I, I could not give this to you because you performed so well for so many, so many times. And it's still very real that women, we do tend to have to outperform men just to get that same recognition. Um, and then unfortunately what that leads to is my third point that's negative about being a you know, woman in, in business is um, we are viewed strong leaders, strong women who are strong, who are successful. We are not always viewed in the most positive manner. Mm -mm. And when men exceed, achieve that, it, it, it's, show, it's like, oh, they're more attractive. They're powerful. They're more attractive. They're, you know, they're, they're great. Women, meh, not so much. It can be intimidating. So that's yeah. aggressive. That's with every day. Yeah. And until <laughs> we learn to um, rejoice and not compete, right? I, I like to tell women, I'm like, you can't compete with me because I want you to win too. Right. And until we all get that, like, I just don't see, you know, that that changing and i really feel that's important um but again the positive that leads kind of into the positives where because of what being a woman we talked about earlier we have an opportunity to support women support not just women and men in a different way in a more empathetic empathetic way um through understanding through compassion and still through strength but adding those things in that people we really can really care show that we care about people and um and really support them in that way. Um, I also mentioned earlier, you know, I like sometimes when I'm under underestimated, I find that to be a, a, a positive, you know, you go into the situation and negotiation and they see you <laughs> like, oh, she's a sweet, you know, sweet people on. Mm -hmm. And then you open your mouth and they're like, oh, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. <laughs> and then of course, you know, I think you mentioned this earlier too, like you, you saw your father as the breadwinner, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so one of the, you know, one of the positives of being a woman in, in the workplaces that we have financial independence and that we don't have to be dependent upon um, upon anyone else for, for our financial needs, um, which allows us to be who we want to be, have experiences that we want to have and live life that we want to lead without feeling that need to depend upon someone else. Mm -hmm. And just being our true authentic self. That's really what it is at the end of the day. You know, we conform a lot to society as women and it's because of expectations that are out there of us leadership mothering friend sister wife fiance uh, all these partner colleague employee um there's all these titles we wear you know yeah. and yeah. it's you know it's just being our true authentic self i think is really the ticket here and like we were talking about earlier about the financial stability aspect, being brave enough to stand up and say, listen, I don't know, can someone help me? That's all you have to do is just say, I don't know, can you help me please? That's it. Exactly. It's that simple. 
And then you'll save yourself a whole mess of a burden, <laughs> craziness, exactly. Right? Don't be afraid. Yeah. I mean, if you're afraid, don't be afraid. Like this, punch that terror barrier, right? Just yes. don't be afraid. Yeah. That's, ask, right. Ask. That's right. Yes. Yes. Uh, people who love you and support you are, you know, are, are out there. Um, there's professionals out there. If you don't want to talk to your family and friends about your finances, there, there's lots of support. Use it. Yes. And for everybody here that's listening or going to view or is viewing us, um, uh, Michelle's information will be hyperlinked onto the podcast. So you can reach out to, to the episode. So you can reach out to Michelle yourself. She's a valuable asset. I strongly recommend that you do so. Whether it's about financial independence or just being a pure woman in a leadership role with her career and the glitter that she has enveloped in her life by doing all different types of roles, I think you know people should reach out to you and ask for help because you're there to help them. Thank you. I am. I do. I do um, feel. Uh, Enjoying creating a safe space for people to, men and women, but especially, especially women. So thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate you joining me. And um, as I always say at the end of all of our podcasts, remember, we are the same. I am Christina D'Arcangelo.